And it says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the married and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And that's our text for this morning. Okay, so if you remember with me where we're at in our breakdown of 1 Corinthians, have it on the screen here for you, but this is the structure of the letter, and we are in this second major section together concerning the matters about which they wrote to Paul, and we're in this second tier section concerning marriage. Last week was about marital intimacy, and this week is about marriage still, but concerning specifically now singleness. If we take last week as looking at marital intimacy, this week looking at singleness, these are two opposite ends of the spectrum, okay? Marital intimacy and singleness, an absolute lack of marital intimacy on purpose, okay? So there's our two extremes. So Paul is moving from one to the next. So what does Paul have to say specifically concerning singleness? And we're gonna walk through it with uh, four ideas this morning from our text. And the first one being, what we found in verse 7, is that singleness is a gift. There's a gift of singleness. Look at verse 7. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Okay? So this is still in response to the previous statement in verse 1. If you, don't, if you weren't here for that or you don't remember, look back at verse 1. He said, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, Quote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, end quote. Remember, he's quoting the Corinthians there. And what is he saying? Well, he just gave a a huge response to that about marital intimacy, right? And now he's still responding to that same idea um, that for some, this will be the case, that it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. For some, this will be the case and it will be good, but it is only to some specifically to whom a particular gift is given. Paul wishes that all were as he is, that is, single, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And that is in the singular. Each has his own gift from God, specifically a gift concerning marriage. Each has his own gift from God concerning marriage, some of this kind and some of this kind. For Paul in particular, he has been given a gift of singleness. What does that mean? A couple of questions. One, why would Paul wish that everyone were single when he just went on about the importance of marriage? I wish all were as I myself am, which is single. Why would he wish that? Why would he wish that all were single as he himself is? Because then there would be no more children. Is that what Paul wants? A childless world. That's ultimately, that was his goal. That was his reason. He just doesn't like kids. I don't think so. There's a particular reason he might be saying this. Another question we could ask, though, is, is singleness better than marriage? That was actually what was being stated previously, wasn't it? Is singleness better than marriage? Well, there were married couples, remember, in Corinth who got together and said, well, at least one of them did, it is better to not have relations with one another because singleness is preferable, it is more godly. Therefore, even though we are married, I'm going to live with you as if I were single because that's more godly. And Paul condemns that reality, doesn't he? 
And he says, that's not how it should be. Each man is to be having his own wife and each wife is to be having her own husband. And that's the way that it's intended to be. So Paul is not saying that singleness is better than marriage. I just want to make that very clear. He's not saying that. However, he's saying something is better though. Something is better because he wishes that all were single like him. So kind of a weird balancing scales here thing, right? So what exactly is he saying? If you jump down just to verse 38 of chapter 7, and we'll get here. I just want to touch on it. We're going to get here in a little while, but look at what verse 38 says. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. How, how is that the case? Because it, it seems to be, yet again, that Paul is saying, if you marry, oh, that's all right. But if you refrain from marriage, that's even better. Good for you. Is that what he's saying? I would say, as he will go on to clarify later on, those who are not married are free from the distractions and anxieties of marriage. That's true in order to specifically devote themselves in service to the Lord fully. That is what's better about it. Because he wishes all were as he himself is. He is single intentionally on purpose to give his life as a devotion to the Lord. He is completely free from at least marital anxieties. Paul was not free from anxieties. He tells us that he has anxieties. He feels the pressure of all the churches. I feel the pressure of one church. I can't imagine the pressure of all the churches. But that's what Paul felt. So he's not free from anxiety. Don't get that wrong. He is free, however, from marital anxiety. Every one of you who are married or have been married and know exactly what that means. You don't need that to be explained to you. There are distractions and anxieties that come along with being married because now you have two people who in God's sight and by God's sovereign action have been united into one and now they are one before the Lord. And so now you have authority over your spouse and your spouse over you and all of a sudden you are in this joint effort together and so being that you are two individuals and yet one, there are some distractions that come with that. But is it bad to be married? Is it better to be single? Paul is saying it's better to be single should you have been gifted by the Lord to singleness and that your life is spent fully in devotion to him using your singleness to the glory of God. In that sense, it is better. But he is not saying, in a sense, qualitatively, which we'll get to in a second, that marriage is better than or singleness is better than. They are the same. However, they both have their benefits from the Lord, each being a gifting of God. Okay, so he says, I wish that all were, I, uh, were as I myself am. That's awkward wording there, isn't it? I wish that all were as I myself am. Notice the word all. Do you see it? Or at least did you hear it? Who is he addressing or considering as the All. Let's insert a few things, a few options. I wish that all people ever born in this whole world were single, just as I am. I wish that all people living in the city of Corinth were as I myself am, which is single. 
I wish all believers in the city of Corinth were as I myself am, or I wish that all believers, generally speaking, were as I myself am. And I would say that the all here is referring to believers generally, right? Because as we're going to see, this gifting of God is about internal desires which are only capable of being changed should someone have the spirit of God in them. So he is not saying that this gift of singleness is given to those who are unbelievers because this gifting requires a change of your internal desires, something that's not happening in the unbeliever void of the spirit of God. So he's not saying that I just wish all people ever born would just be single. It's not the idea. And don't hear him saying that. But he says, instead, each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. You have been given a gift of God. Sometimes this text is read in this way. Marriage is the default. However, with some special people, he gifts with something. And that gift is singleness. I believe it's better to understand what Paul's saying here in terms of gifting, generally speaking, concerning marriage, a gift of one kind and a gift of another kind. Whereas singleness is certainly a gift of God, so is marriage. Each has his own gift from God concerning marriage, one of this kind, singleness, and one of this kind, marriage. But both of them have to do with internal dispositions of the heart and the affections and the desires. Something's happening, which means this is very narrowly uh, applied to believers because this has to do with the spirit of God working inside of you, okay? Each has his own gift from God. It does not say each has his own set of gifts. Is that what yours says? It says each has his own gift, singular. One of this kind and one of another. It's not as if God said, your gift set includes. You got a gift set. You may receive a gift set this Christmas. And a gift set is something that was put together by the store. Like, oh, look at all these cute things that go together. Buy them. They're probably more expensive if you buy them that way. Here's this little gift set. And it includes these things. It's not like God has a particular gift set. And one of the gifts inside of there is singleness. That's not quite the idea of what's being said here. He's saying specifically concerning marriage, each has his own gift from God. Unless you believe that marriage itself is not a gift from God. Or do you believe that marriage is a gift from God? Marriage certainly is a gift from God. Concerning marriage, there are two gifts. One is the gift of marriage, one is the gift of singleness. I would just reference, for example, James 1, 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Remember that passage? Or how about Matthew 7, 11? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Unless you think, again, that marriage is not included in any of this. Marriage is certainly included in all of this. However, given that he is talking about a specific situation here, he is highlighting singleness. I just want to properly make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm representing what all of Scripture has to say about marriage as well. Even though Paul is highlighting singleness, which we are as well, 
it does not mean that marriage is not a gift from God because it is, and it is something precious to be protected, right? Now, looking specifically at singleness, as this is Paul's intention here, that it is a gift of singleness, and there is one main supporting passage that you need to turn to with me to better understand this idea. And it is found in Matthew 19, verses 9 through 12. So take just a moment and turn there with me, if you would. Matthew 19, verses 9 through 12. Just listen to what this says. Remember, Paul is telling us that singleness is a gift. That's true. It says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. They were saying to Jesus, if you're telling us we can't divorce our wives, then it's not worth it to get married because I'm certainly going to divorce her at some point. So if you're telling me I can't divorce my wife, I just won't get married. Jesus has a response to that. And it's maybe something different than you might expect, but here's what he says, verse 11. He said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are some who are eunuchs who have been so from birth. There are some who are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, but there are some, and this is the highlighted section, there are some who are eunuchs made themselves There are some who are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So there are some who in some sense spiritually have made themselves and understand eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. You have made yourself single for what purpose? I've already highlighted this before just a few minutes ago. What is the intention of the singleness? For the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is not for you. It is for God. This is a sense of devotion. This is a sense of service to God, that you're using your singleness to the glory of God for his purposes, for his endeavors. For the sake of the kingdom of heaven. If anyone is able to make themselves celibate for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, then they should. However, it is not given to all, but only to some because it is a gift. Some are given this gift by God that they might use their singleness to the glory of God for the sake of his kingdom and his purposes. Okay, that's generally speaking what's being said there in verse seven. And I have just a couple, four summary points here, quickly, okay? Marriage and singleness are both gifts given by God. That is true. The gifts relate to one's internal desires, which will be more uh, specified here as we continue in the text. The gifts are given uh, to give God glory. Singleness allows undivided devotion to the Lord. Follow all four of those? That's what's being said so far. Uh, Let's look at verse 8. We're going to look now at the quality of singleness. There's the gift of singleness. There's a quality of singleness, which we find in verse 8, and it says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Is singleness greater or lesser than marriage? Well, we already talked about that. 
While marriage is a good thing, it doesn't mean that marriage is for everyone or in every stage of life. And so he gives two categories. There is the unmarried and the widows. It does not say, if you're wondering, the widower and the widow. It's not just about people who are previously married. This is about all who are unmarried. Male, female, young, old, all who are unmarried. You need to hear something here. And you should know, by the way, all of those who are married in the room, if you're thinking that there's not a lot of application for you yet, you need to listen. These categories are found here in this church. Those who have lost spouses who were previously married, those are here among us. There are those who are not yet married. They're young, or maybe they're not so young. But either way, they are not yet married. Do you know how to properly speak into their life? Do you take their singleness as a necessary bad or a necessary good? Or do you qualify their singleness through the lens of Scripture? Because Scripture has something to say about those who are single at every stage of life. So he gives these two categories to the unmarried and to the widow. But what's very interesting here is that a person's present condition does not necessarily indicate the gifting of God. You might say, well, I'm single, therefore I have been gifted with singleness. And that's just not true. Just because you are single doesn't mean you've been gifted singleness. Because what did Paul just say? Uh, If you are single uh, and you can't exercise self-control, then you need to marry because you've obviously not been gifted with singleness. You may find yourself single, but just because you are single does not mean you've been gifted with singleness. Does that make sense? So a person's present condition does not necessarily indicate the gifting of God. Because the gifting is a reference to the internal disposition of the desires and not your present condition. Okay? The gifting is a reference to the internal dispositions and how do we know that? Because he's saying if you have unrestrained desires in you, you have clearly not been gifted by God to be single. So this has to do with our internal desires, doesn't it? So Paul says it's good for you to remain single if you can keep these things under control. Another thing I would just say right here, and it's uh, by implication, quite obviously, but it is not a bad thing to be single. Did you know that? Do you know that Paul was single? You should. We've already said it several times. Paul was not married. He was single, and it was a good thing. In fact, he wanted more people to be like him should God gift them in that direction. But all were not as he is. But there are some who are single. And you need to hear this because let's just say, for example, there's a young man or a young woman who's getting older and everyone around them keeps telling them, oh, it's coming someday. Oh, just, you know, you, you engaged yet? You know, and it's we, because we think marriage is given to everyone. And it is not. And just because marriage was not given to someone, what if God gifted this person with singleness and you are speaking into their life contrary to the gifting of God in their life? 
And so you're leading them down a path that would cause them to do something contrary to what God has called them to do. There is a qualification here. If God is giving you the ability to restrain the desires in you, it is an indicator of a gifting of singleness in your life. And even though other people might tell you, you just need to get married already because that's God's design for you, they may very well be wrong. However, they're not always wrong. But there is a test. But we'll get to that. Another thing that I would say here is that the gifting of God, that is God's gifting and plan for a person is not always monolithic. Meaning, just because you were single in one phase of life doesn't mean that you will be forever, additionally. Just because you were married in one stage of life doesn't mean that you will be forever. Because there are some who are married, right, and now are widowers or widows, And he is saying to them, if you are able to restrain yourself, consider it the gift of God and remain single. So you're telling me that I had a gift of marriage in my first part of my life and now I have a gift of singleness? Yes, that's exactly what that means. So the gifting of God is not monolithic here. It is not one straight path, one thing, but it could be multiple things. This is a good thing, a blessing of God. But there are some, however, who were married previously and their spouse has passed away. And it may be that the Lord is working in you something different. Maybe not to remain single, but to then pursue a spouse. And it has to do with your internal disposition of your desires. It's better for you to live within the gifting of God. And this is what Paul is saying. Live within the gifting of God, not outside of it. So you're asking maybe, how has the Lord gifted me at this time in my life? Remember there were those who were saying in the church, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. They were deciding to be single, that is celibate, even though they were married. And Paul refuted that. Is there some way I can determine God's gifting in my life regarding marriage? If you are married you don't need to consider the answer to that question. I mean that in all seriousness because that's exactly what was happening in Corinth. Right? They were married, weren't they? And they, th- they said, I think God has gifted me with singleness. Wrong. You're married. Right? So, see last week's text. Right? This is God's design. So if you're sitting here thinking, I'm married currently, but I really wish I was single. This is not an option for you, okay? This is about what God has done. This is about God's direction in your life. This is about what God has ordained to come to pass. This is about the gifting of God in your life, something that he's working on. But in verse nine, Paul tells us about this test. Told you there was a test, and this is what Paul tells us. Look at verse nine with me. This is the test of singleness. If they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. Why? Because it is better to marry than to burn with passion. If you cannot exercise self-control, then you should marry. This is for everyone single in the room, okay? To the unmarried, I say this, because scripture says this. If you cannot have self-control, you need to get married. This is what scripture says to you. 
However, if you have your passions under control, very clearly so, then scripture says to you, it's better for you to remain single. That's what scripture says. And what should you do with your singleness at that point? You should use your singleness to the glory of God, not for selfish endeavors. I'm not tied to a wife. I can go wherever, do whatever, spend my money however. Oh, the liberty. That's not the idea. The idea is that this liberty is spent in devotion to the Lord. So those who are married, how do you encourage those who are single? This way, the biblical way, according to the desires of their heart, the gifting of God, and how should they be spending their singleness? Paul talks to widows later on, says those widows are busybodies, right? Don't be giving them extra money, right? They need to meet the test, right? So how you spend your time matters. Use your singleness to the glory of God. And if your internal disposition, your desires can't allow you to be single, then you should pursue marriage. Why? Because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. That's why. This little word here for burn, it's one word in Greek, but to burn with passion, uh, passion is implied here, but it literally just means to burn. Uh, Peter uses it, 2 Peter 3.12. Listen to how he uses this word burn because this helps, this helps get an imagery of what's being said here. Waiting for and hastening the coming day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and they will be dissolved. The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Burn. Same word used by Paul here, to burn with passion. Your insides are melting away because of the passions inside of you. It is better for you to marry than to burn with passion inside. Decided to skip a little section there. I'll go on to say this. Each person needs to be seeking out the thing in their life that most pleases the Lord, and would you agree with that? Each person needs to be seeking out the thing in their life that most pleases the Lord. What we desire, the thing that most pleases us, is the thing that we want to be most pleasing to the Lord. The thing that most pleases us, we want to be the thing that most pleases the Lord. What, you have to determine what then would most please the Lord in your current circumstance. If you are married, again, see last week. In this realm, right, in this realm of things. We don't have to wonder about certain things, do we? We don't have to guess. It's actually made very plain. I want to talk about one more thing here. And we certainly have time to do it. I experienced something in when I moved to the South that I hadn't experienced before. Um, and that thing is that this is not always the case, okay? Talking in generalities here. But that in the South, generally speaking, um, there are closer family connections. If you didn't know that, if you've only ever lived in the South, maybe you don't know that. But it's true that families are tighter, generally speaking, in the South than they are in, in the North, in Northern areas. And something that happens is that you begin to elevate these relationships as the end-all, be-all of your life. 
And so the greatest thing that you can do relates to your family relationships. And what this turns into then is your uttermost expectation and your heart's desire that when you finally go to be with the Lord, at least you will be reunited with all those family members who have passed away before you. This is not our hope. This is not our ultimate end. This is not what we most long for. What we most long for is to be with the Lord. You understand that? I am not saying that your heart should not be aching for those who have gone before you. You should. But you should also be considering where their time is being spent. What is your heart's uttermost desire? Is it to please the Lord or is it to please someone in your life that you might have a better relationship with them? You are not promised great relationships here on earth. Jesus actually talks to the contrary, doesn't he? What is your heart's utmost desire? Is it to please him and to be with him? When you are in heaven, whether we know each other or don't know each other in heaven, right? Whether we are reunited with certain people or we are not reunited with certain people, you need to know that whatever the answer is to that, you will be full every single day and nothing of your heart's desire will be lacking you in heaven. It will not be lacking. Now, when I come to marriage in particular, for those of you who your marriage was the greatest relationship you had here on earth, for some of you, that's not the case. But for some of you, it is the case. I think about my relationship with my wife. It is the best relationship I have on this planet. And to not have her for eternity is such a bizarre thought to me. But that is not my ultimate heart's affection. My heart's affection is to be with the Lord for eternity. So we need to know, we need to understand there is an eternal plan of God in heaven that actually doesn't have to do with marriage at all. So I'd like to talk about just for a minute the eternal aspect of singleness. The eternality of singleness. Now, as I do, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay? We'll lighten the mood here for a second. All right? Do you believe any of the following? God is a man with a body of flesh and bone. He is a wife, and he lives near a star named Kolob. God and his wife gave birth to human beings as their spiritual children, and so being God's children, they all have divine potential. God sent them to earth to get a physical body, get married, and have children so that one day, hopefully, they can have their own star and have their own spirit children forever. If you believe any of that, you are a Mormon. Because that is exactly what Mormons believe. So marriage for the Mormon is eternal. Marriage for the Mormon is eternal. And so, emphasis is placed then on the here and now because you're fostering relationships that will last to eternity. You need to know that this is not true. Not only is the bizarre stuff not true about 
having a star and spirit children. Um, not only is that not true, but marriage is not eternal. How do I know this? Look with me just for a moment. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 23 through 33. This section right here that I'm talking to is, and I mean section of the sermon, not section of Matthew, is really meant to be a mutual encouragement for all in the room, no matter what stage of life you're in. Because we need to know what's coming. And you know what? There is something coming for all of us in the Lord that relates to singleness. And I want us to hear it, reflect on it. Matthew 22, 23 through 33, the same day the Sadducees came to him, the Sadducees, remember, did not believe in the resurrection of the dead at all. So they were trying to trap Jesus because they were trying to show him how silly the concept of a resurrection from the dead is. So they said to him, uh, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first uh, married and died, having no offspring, and left his wife to his brother. So too, the second and the third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Stop right there. You understand the issue? If marriage is eternal, which marriage are we talking about? Which one? Or are they all sharing the spouse in heaven. So they thought this was a good trap. Jesus gives an answer that's very enlightening for us. He says, verse 29, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. What does this mean? In heaven, people who are there neither marry or are given in marriage, so that's a non-issue as far as whose wife she will be in heaven because people are not married in heaven. There is an eternal state that is singleness like the angels of God. Is that a bizarre thought? Or have you always thought that you will simply be reunited with your spouse in heaven? And you will live there together and I don't know what we'll do, you know? I don't know. Build our dream house finally because it's all been about us. And we couldn't have the perfect marriage here, but we'll have it in heaven. We didn't have the perfect children here, but we'll have them in heaven. And that's just not what scripture calls us to be looking forward to. However much the gift of marriage is a gift and precious and something that God has given for us to enjoy and also to live according to. That's true. That's very true. But do you know that even if your marriage falters, if you have pains in marriage, your marriage is not what you thought it would be. It didn't turn out to be that way. Do you know that marriage is not the end goal? Faithfulness to God is your end goal. Regardless of how things are going, faithfulness to God. And has God called us to a particular type of faithfulness in our marriages? I'll ask that again. Has God called us to a particular type of faithfulness in our marriages? Yes. 
And who is responsible for making sure that you are faithful according to what God has said? You. You are not responsible for making someone else be faithful. But you are responsible for yourself to be faithful. Be faithful in where the Lord has called you and how he has called you. For those who are single, has God called you to be single? It has to do with what? What is the test? Has to do with your passions inside. But you might be asking because I'm already... I'm already throwing this out there because this is what will be said in response to those who are single and not yet married and yet are burning. What are they going to say? The right person hasn't come along. I sympathize with that. I understand. It doesn't change anything because God has called you also to not participate in sexual immorality. So you must wait. By the way, is self-control something that all should be having? All believers should be having? Yeah, so you can't just say, well, I mean, God didn't call me, didn't gift me with singleness. I have this burning inside of me and I'm not married yet. So, so you need to have self-control then. That's the so, right? And we all need to be encouraging them uh, down this path because God has called the single people to a particular type of faithfulness. God has called the married person to a particular type of faithfulness. Do we all understand? And we need to be speaking into each other's lives in a way that is biblical, and not something that we think is just the best idea, right? Such as if someone is single, they need to go ahead and get married. Well, that's not quite right, is it? We need to determine what's happening inside of them and then encourage them down that path. What is the gifting of God in your life? A lot to be said here. And I'm gonna end with just one passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So, yes, we're already in seven, but I want you to go down to verse 29. And again, we'll get here as well, but. Just a couple of verses here. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. What? And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Why? The present form of this world is passing away. The present form of this world is passing away. What is this in relationship to? What is 1 Corinthians 7 all about? Marriage. It's all about marriage. When Paul's talking about the present form of this world passing away and to live as if you weren't married, he's saying inside of you, you need to be giving all of yourself to the Lord. Everything about you needs to be going to the Lord in faithfulness. So when you give all of your life in faithfulness, what you'll be doing, you'll be, you'll be a good spouse. Right? Live as though you didn't have one. That is, don't allow your situation to become a great distraction to you. That can happen, can it? Your situation in life can be a big cause of distraction for you. And Paul is saying, listen, you need to live as one who is devoted to the Lord, whether married or single. Live as someone who is devoted to the Lord. And you need to understand, he's encouraging them, the present form of this world is passing away. And what does that include? Marriage itself. There will be no need for procreation in heaven. 
right? Right. God is doing something different in heaven. If that's a very foreign or even possibly offensive idea to you, it's, it's maybe because you have placed family a little too high. Unintentionally, maybe. Family is underneath God himself, right? Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful in your singleness. Yes, but that comes underneath God himself. When we put it above God, that creates all of this about us, right? And that's why there's that internal desire that when I depart from this world, I want most of all to be reunited with, fill in the blank, and that's because your heart's affections are more set on those relationships than your relationship with the Lord himself. And again, it has nothing to do with whether we will or will not be reunited with them. It's about where your affections lie, right? So either way, we are called to faithfulness in the Lord. All right, I'm gonna pray for us and uh, we're gonna sing one more song as we close our time together today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. You are faithful to us and you have given us all a particular calling in our life. And uh, as far as marriage is concerned, some heavy issues here to consider. And I pray that you would help us to think through them biblically and that you would help those who are single in the room uh, for whatever cause that may be. And I pray that you would be an encouragement to their hearts today. And I pray that we would all, likewise in the room, be an encouragement to each one, as each one has received his own gift from God, that we might encourage them in their gifting. That we might pursue them in faithfulness. That we might spur them on to godliness, to good works, to faithfulness. I pray that you would give encouragement to us in whatever stage of life that we find ourselves in today. I pray that you would give us help. Help us to see clearly your calling on our lives. And I pray most of all, Lord, that you, that you would order our affections properly. That our heart's longing and desire would be for you. And that everything else would fall into its proper place after that. And that because of our affections for you, we are good spouses. Because of our affections for you, we are um, godly in our singleness. Because of our affections for you, we are good parents. Because of our affections for you, it permeates every aspect of our lives. So I pray that you would help us to get that balance right. Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness to us in all of our situations. We pray this in Jesus' name together. Amen.